Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Hey C3 Church, welcome to today's live stream. Thank you for tuning in. I want to remind you, Rowena and I are talking about you, praying for you, strategizing for our church's future, and God has great things ahead. He's already been doing so much during this season, but he knows the next season, and he is going to, by faith, carry us into those next steps. And that allows us a launching pad to jump into today's series entitled Portraits of Faith. Faith is so critical for this season. All throughout the Bible, we have snapshot after snapshot where God shows us what faith is, how it works, how it grows, and how it radically impacts everything that it touches. I want to remind you that faith is so much more than just a desired outcome. Faith is a substance that's created the moment that God speaks and someone hears and believes and then acts upon what is said. And in that moment, faith is supernaturally injected into the situation, impacting everything that it touches, changing things for the better, allowing God's kingdom to come and his will to be done here on earth as it already is in heaven. And you, my friend, you've been created to be a carrier of that substance called faith, impacting your world with every step you take allowing others to also experience God's supernatural kingdom. Today, our scripture comes out of Matthew 25, verses 24 through 25. He also who had the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground here. You have what is yours. The title of my message today is Perception is Reality. There's an age old adage that says perception is reality. And at first glance, that might not seem to be true. After all, thinking the hot burner on the stove is cool doesn't make it so. Agreed. But it really is true that perception is reality. Because based on our perception, whether true or not, we act on it and it becomes our reality. We placed our hand on the burner because we perceived it was cool. We perceived that we have plenty of room to pass before the oncoming traffic arrived, and yet our perception was wrong, and we find ourselves right in the direct line of oncoming traffic. Twisted steel, destruction of property, impacted lives, pain. Notice that the outcome is not based on malice or negligence, even a lack of skill. It was simply a misperception. The thing I want you to grasp today is that your perception will radically impact your faith. Consider the servant who was given a sum of money by his master, who went on a journey and when he returned, the servant said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. A better interpretation is, I perceive you to be a hard man. He goes on to say, I perceive that you reap where you do not sow and you gather where you have not sown seed. So I was afraid and this perception informed his actions. He said, I went and hid your money in the ground. 
Here, take what is yours. It's all that I can give you. And these actions brought about an outcome. The master referred to him as wicked and lazy and commanded that he be removed from his position and cast out of his kingdom. And as he did so, he demanded that what he had be taken and given to the rest of his loyal servants. The servant perceived that his master was a hard man. It informed his actions, it impacted the outcome. Perception is reality, but in this case, it was a misperception. Things did not have to go this way. In fact, a closer look at the master reveals that he was anything but hard. He was a wealthy man who was going on a long journey, but he was both trusting and generous. In fact, he gave a large amount of finances to each of his servants, trusting that they would take care of it, even this servant. Verse 15 lets us know that he was also wise and discerning. He, he was able to measure what a man could do and what he could be trusted with, and he did so accordingly so each servant could succeed, including this servant. He was also confident in all of his servants, including this one. How do we know? Well, he went away on a long, long journey, and anyone who's not confident would check back in periodically. But he went away and didn't come back for a long time. When the master came back and interacted with several of his servants, his response was, well done, good and faithful servant. This master was encouraging, he was affirming, he was uplifting. And he actually went on to say, enter into the joy of your master. In other words, you've made me so happy, I appreciate you, let's enjoy this together. He was also a generous rewarder of the majority of his servants. When they did a good job, he said, you've been faithful with little, now I'm going to give you even more. He noticed their accomplishments and he valued it in a tangible way. Now here's the key. Two out of three servants perceived their master correctly and their perception became their reality. Our third servant had a perception issue. It informed his actions, which created a less than desirable outcome. He experienced so much less than what his master had provided for. That lets you and I know that a correct perception leads to the best outcome. Your correct perception of God will actually unlock his promises in your life, but your misperception of God will hinder or render his promises completely ineffective. You and I, we're gonna be people of faith. We're gonna be people of the proper perception. So here are two perceptions that I wanna challenge you to embrace and make a part of your life as you move forward. First, God favors me. God, he favors me. I want you to say that with me. God favors me. Say it again, God favors me. Say it like you mean it, God favors me. Some of you are saying it, but I'm not so sure you believe it. You believe it maybe here, but do you really perceive that God favors you? I'll bet it's much easier to say, God loves the whole world, and since I'm in it, he loves me too. But to single yourself out and say, he favors me. To say that he sees me, he delights in me, he's chosen me, his affection is upon me, 
He takes great pleasure and places an incredibly high value on me. Honestly, many people struggle saying the phrase, he favors me. Do you? Here's a litmus test. Have you ever really desired something deep down in your soul, but felt like God would never ever allow you to have it because you simply don't deserve it? Do you often feel like God is frustrated with you, maybe even angry with you, tired of putting up with you and all of your shortcomings? When you hear about potential bad news, do you deep down expect it to happen, knowing that somehow your faults and failures, shortcomings, are deserving of this bad experience? When something bad happens to you in life, do you sense deep down in that it's God's way of repaying you for previous wrong actions? Or how about this, when somebody who's prophetic is functioning in their gifts, calling out people, giving them a word from God, are you afraid that you'll get called out of what God might actually reveal about you? Not necessarily good? Believe it or not, the answers to these questions and others like them reveal deep down in what we perceive God to be in relationship with us. It reveals whether or not we believe that God favors us. I'm asking you to listen to my words here and now. Let them go through your ears, beyond your mind, down into your heart, and I'm praying they'll become a part of the fabric of who you are. Here's the biblical truth. God favors you. Favors you. You. He favors you. In Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, we read about Jesus going into his hometown, into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and opening up the scroll. And as he did, he read the following passage out of Isaiah, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want to repeat that, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus closed the scroll, looked the people in the eye, and said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. The presence of imperfect people. Presence of people who have yet to even know the truth about God. Jesus was letting them know that the Father, because of his coming, was now going to begin to deal with mankind from a posture of favor. You, me, everyone else. From that time on, God engages with people from a posture of his favor. That's true of you in your very worst moment. He's not tolerating you. He's not putting up with you. He doesn't hate you. God favors you. Say it with me. He favors me. Again, he favors me. He favors me. Every moment of your day, when you pray, when you interact with others, when you step into a business meeting, when you get bad news, and every time you lean into any one of his promises, he favors me. The second perception that I want you to hear, God desires to prosper you. Say it with me. God desires to prosper me. God desires to prosper me. To prosper me. God, it's his desire that I be prospered. For some of you, 
It almost sounds like false doctrine coming out of your mouth. That's because many of you have been led to perceive that Jesus came solely to die for your sin so that ultimately after you survive this experience on earth, you can ultimately squeak your way into heaven. There's no sense that he gave his life for anything beyond. He's come maybe to meet your needs, but certainly not your wants, your wishes, your desires. He doesn't care about your comfort. In fact, prosperity in some circles has become a dirty word. But you need to understand that Jesus extending forgiveness to you, that simple act is one of prosperity. He didn't just top off your account so that it could be flush. Jesus prospered your account, not so that you could live any way that you want, but in the moment that you sin, you could call upon him, confess your faults, and you would be forgiven. Talk about prosperity. And you have been prospered with so many other things. You have access into his presence. You can speak and be heard. You can pray and God promises to answer. You have also been prospered with life and not just enough to survive. John 10 reveals that you have been prospered with abundant life. The Greek translation, more than enough. And that's the amazing thing about the heart of God. He doesn't want to just help us get by it's his desire to prosper us. In Luke chapter five, Peter has fished all night and caught nothing. And as a businessman, that's no good. But Jesus tells him to push out his boat, let down the nets for a catch. And as Peter does, not only does he fill his net, he fills it to the point that it's breaking. So he calls his friends with boats to help him out. And in the process, they fill their boats to the point that every boat on the water is practically sinking. He didn't just want to meet their needs, he wanted to prosper them. In John chapter six, Jesus was teaching a large crowd, approximately 15,000 people, who were very hungry after three days. The only food on location was a young boy's lunch consisting of a small amount of bread and fish. Jesus had the crowd sit in groups of 50, he blessed the food, and had the disciples pass it out. There in John chapter six, the Bible says, everyone had as much as they wanted. Not just what they needed, but as much as they wanted. And then Jesus had the disciples pick up the remaining fragments. They filled 12 baskets full in abundance. And Jesus proved yet again, he didn't just desire to meet their needs. He desired them to be prospered. And don't forget about Jesus' very first miracle at the wedding in Cana. During the celebration, the couple ran out of wine. So Jesus talked to the servants who brought water pots, 30 gallons each, six of them. Jesus prayed and supernaturally transformed the water into wine, not just average wine, the best wine. So let's do a little math. The average bottle of wine holds three quarters of a liter. There are 3.79 liters to a gallon. That's 114 liters or 228 bottles per jar of water for a grand total of 1,368 bottles of wine. What's the value of that wine, you ask? If it was a cheap bottle of wine, $10, that's over $13,680. For a medium value of wine, $40 a bottle, that's almost $55,000. 
for an expensive bottle of wine at $90. I can't even begin to imagine the price of the best wine and every bit of that belonging to this newlywed couple. What an amazing bridal gift. He didn't want to just meet their needs. He wanted to prosper them. And that is his heart for you. That is why God sent his son. He wants to prosper you. Say it with me. He wants to prosper me. He wants to prosper me. God wants to prosper me. I want that very true perception to impact who you are. Every moment of your day, how you approach prayer, how you step into a business meeting, how you respond to bad news, how you lean into every one of his promises. He wants to prosper me. In closing, I want to draw your attention to an amazing portion of scripture that talks about perception impacting faith found in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 27. As you read there, you'll discover that there were two blind men following Jesus, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done unto you. And their eyes were opened. According to your faith, be it done unto you. You see, Jesus had let people know he would heal them. And these men had heard that Jesus had been healing people. But Jesus asked a key question. Do you perceive that I will do this for you? Because how you perceive me will impact the outcome according to your faith. It will be done unto you. And again, I want to say to you, you've been destined to be a person of faith, carrying the substance that is injected into the world you live in with every step you take. But your perception of God will either unlock those promises or your misperception of God will hinder or render those promises ineffective. I want you to build your perception on these two things that God favors you and that God wants to prosper you. And if you launch out from those perceptions, great things will come out of your life. In just a moment, we're going to pray, but before we do, I wanna invite those of you listening who have yet to start a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus invites everyone to come and follow him. That is an invitation to take the first step into his favor, to take the first step into his prosperity that you will enjoy walking in for the rest of your life. And so as we pray, I simply want to invite you to say with me right now, this is how we'll begin our prayer. Lord, I say yes to Jesus. I say yes to following him. I say yes to enjoying, regardless of my past, because of what Christ did on the cross to enjoying the newfound favor offered in that sacrifice. I'm also going to step into the prosperity of God, not just forgiveness, but life and life more abundant. Father, I pray for all of our faith. I pray that we step into the full measure of faith. 
where we perceive you to be who you really are. And that gives us the confidence that you will do what you've said. And Lord, that brings about the very best on earth. Remove us from misperceptions and allow truth to be established. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.